Women on a Green Mission. Follow along as two friends document their unfailing permaculture journeys. Join our chat each week where we will be sharing how we and others apply the ethics and principles of permaculture to our gardens and daily life. We're no experts. We're at the start of our journey, learning and fumbling our way to a greener life. You're guaranteed to witness a few successes, plenty of failures, laughs and swearing. We'd love your company along the way. You're listening to the Practical Permaculture Podcast with Joe Flintham and Elise Gallagher. Hey, Elise. Hi, Joe. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What have you been up to? Oh, you know, a bit of this, bit of that. Spent uh, spent a little bit of time digging into our, well, we call it a craft room. We don't really craft in there, but it's got, you know, my my um, seed saving and it's got my sewing machine and it's got a drafting table. It's got bits and pieces. Um, Is it a junk room, Joe? It's the junk room, but I don't want to call <laughs> it a junk room. <laughs> I don't want to call it a junk room. <laughs> we don't call it the junk room. We call it the shit room where you sh- the throw shit. all the shit. Yeah, we have shit drawers where you just, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. there's those drawers yeah. that you just jam stuff in. But, yeah, <laughs> and we were trying to come up with a, a really cool name for it because it's sort of like it's our craft but creative space and it's where we do planning for what we're going to be doing on the property and it's sort of the, the project room. So we're trying to come up with a cool name. So if someone can come up with a suggestion of a really cool catchy name that we can remember on what this room is, then please suggest it because we can't come up with anything. But we cleaned it out. It's nice and tidy now. Funny. It's also the dog's bedroom. They sleep oh. in there at night. So. Come up with an acronym, you know, like C for craft, D for dog. Like I'm sure you can think of something that's fancy that you could come up with. We'd have to write it on there because we'd have to, yeah, remember, you know, we, we wouldn't is. just remember off the top of our head. Yeah. Or like, oh. you know, think of a word like bread and then just think of all the purposes of yeah. it. <laughs> come up with a cool word. Know. Yeah. Oh, oh, what about man. you? What have you been doing? Uh, so we just got down to Adelaide and – um it's just exciting because the kids are very into Christmas and they kind of bring that Christmas joy to um, the silly season. So my stepmom and my dad booked us into Christmas Wonderland. Ooh, what's Christmas Wonderland? Santa's Wonderland, sorry. Um, So it's this thing that you go to and, um, you know, these B-grade actors pretend they're elves and run around (laughs) and, you know, the people that didn't make it onto play school. (laughs) um they all work there but it was really cute like we got there and they pulled away this curtain after Santa came and said hello they pulled away this curtain when you walk through the doors and they had like a bubble machine that was like fake snow and it's kind of just like a big activity area for the kids so there were some rides and they went on like these little mini roller coasters it's all kid friendly um you know dodge them cars and then there was like activity stations so you know you made some reindeer food and you wrote a letter to santa and you painted a bauble and you kind of got a little passport and you ticked off all the things on your passport as you went around this this center and i think it was three hours worth of being there and um yeah it was cute you got little milk like you know milk to um take home and you could buy food and drinks and things like a fair i guess but all Christmas themed and oh, Abby was just like, like the kids would have blown. loved it, was, it. Oh, it was, I mean, they were totally overstimulated by the end of it. <laughs> it was just so nice. <laughs> and, the walls. You know, there's like, yeah, there's music and carols and, you know, there was jumping castles and, but it was all just kid friendly. So it was all miniature everything. Um, and yeah, it was beautiful. And you could get 
you know, a photo with Santa and Mrs. Claus and you could sit with Mrs. Claus and she'd read you a storybook and it was really, really cute. I want yeah, to sit with really Mrs. Claus so she could read me a storybook. Yeah. And we went ice skating. Like there was an ice skating oh. ring in there. So we went ice skating and kids could sit on these little things and you'd push them around the back. So we were ice skating and they sat there with skates as well and they could practice. And so, yeah, it was a really, really cool day. Oh, that just sounds like an absolute ton of fun. Yeah, it was lovely. So very appreciative that um, our family took us and the kids. And, yeah, it was very, very special. And just, you know, the week before Christmas. So they're, you know, in this oh, hyped up Christmas In the Christmas mood. zone. In the Christmas <laughs> that was zone. funny. Oh. So, yeah. Well, who are we talking to this week, Elise? So this week we're talking to Kyle. Kyle, um, I know through my husband, Oscar, I actually went to school with him. Um, and I didn't realize that he was into this kind of scene and we connected somehow. I don't even remember how. Um, and he's got a landscaping business. So he's based in an urban setting um, in Sydney, runs a permaculture based landscaping business. And he's got a lot of, um, yeah, really, really cool plans that he's, that he shares with us through the interview too, right? Yeah, like he's, yeah. on, he's on really he's... into um, natural building methods. So he goes into that a little bit. Um, yeah, really interesting, especially in that urban setting. Cause I think permaculture often gets pigeoned or mm-hmm. people think about it as being pigeoned into mainly farm and gardening. And we know it's so much more than that. Um, and I think it's really cool to see how it works in an urban setting. So yeah, it was yeah. great talking to him. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that uh, yeah, everyone will enjoy it too. And, and it helps to yeah build that perspective that it is whole mm. of um, whole of house, whole of property um, yeah. and not just, you know, one particular element. So, mm. yeah, we hope you enjoy. Enjoy. You're listening to the Practical Permaculture Podcast with Joe Flitham and Elise Gallagher. Hey, Joe. Hey, Elise. How are you going? Good. And this week we've got Kyle joining us. Hi, Kyle. Hello. How are you? Hey, Joe and Elise. Thanks for having me. We're yeah, really good, excited. Good, good. Yourselves? Good. Really good. We're really excited yeah, to have you on excited. today and, yeah, find out all about Kyle. And Joe asked me how to pronounce your business name. Is it Tierra? Yes, that's right. And what is that, Tierra Projects? What does that mean? Uh, Tierra is Spanish for um, earth. So, yeah, like initially I had a, an interest in sort of permaculture sort of stuff and also earth building and was trying and still am trying to find a way to bring those sort of two passions together into a business. So mm. earth kind of summed it all up in one word, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the earth, before we get too into recording, we might just acknowledge where we're all recording on. So where are you recording, Kyle? I'm coming to you from uh, Gamaragal country or Camaraygal. Not sure which pronunciation's right, but um. And where yeah. else is that? Uh, on the north side of Sydney, so just oh, north yeah. of Gadigal country. Beautiful. And um, yeah, that's where I live and do most of my work. And Joe, where are you? Um, so I am a few lands over, and I'm on Wanarua country uh, in the Hunter Valley. And I'm down in Glenelg in South Australia at the moment, so I'm recording from Ghana country. So, Kyle, tell us, how did you first come across permaculture? Yeah, so I sort of started my trajectory in a different way. I studied a um, bachelor degree in music, mm-hmm. and that was up in Lismore on the mid-north, um, not mid-north, north coast, northern rivers. 
And yeah, I guess I was exposed to it just through living there, hanging out with lots of hippies. Um, <laughs> there's one housemate in particular that really inspired me. I think he'd, when we were living together, he'd just done his PDC at Janbung Gardens. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, and I remember just sort of like scrolling through the um, Bill Mollison's Permaculture Designer's Manual and looking at the interesting pictures and whatnot and he was you know got me into making kombucha and all sorts of funky homemade beers he was making and he had a little garden and yeah so that kind of got me started and yeah hmm. and then from there you kind of just ditched music or (laughs) yeah slow um over time yeah so I moved to Sydney which is where I am now to pursue a music career Mm-hmm. Um, but sort of progressively got more interested in sustainable living, permaculture type stuff, uh, and less interested in the music. Um, or just found myself not practicing and um, whatnot. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a very competitive industry to sort of stay afloat in and not yeah. like my bread and butter was doing music tuition. Um, it's a yeah, hats off to anyone that can make a career in that mm. sort of industry, any creative industries. It's really hard. More and more involved in that scene, in the permaculture scene in Sydney. Yeah, yeah I was very interested. So I was studying stuff um, and I guess I understood a lot of like concepts and principles, but I'm a very like tactile learner. So I had to sort of mm. do things to to understand them. So a lot of trial and error in rental properties uh, I think the last rental property I was in before moving in here with my wife and our family um, had like chickens, a little a veggie gardens, little aquaponic system. Cool. Um, and then sort of just started working with more conventional builders and landscapers just to, was looking at getting a um, conventional license um, to go alongside of the permaculture stuff. So I did my PDC in 2019. Mm-hmm. alongside that I'd already been working with builders a bit and yeah COVID hit and so that was like the real I'd already been slowly transitioning out of music into trades and um when COVID hit I couldn't do any yeah music tuition I didn't want to figure out how to do it online mm. um yeah you can't really kit hit a kid on the hand with a ruler online no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I never did any of that Sure, sure. We believe you. <laughs> um, so yeah, sort of went full time, and landscaping was a lot of a lot of a sh- um, much shorter route to get licensed and all that, and yeah, it kind of right. fit more, I guess, yeah. with the permaculture stuff more directly. Uh, I do have a much of a grander vision, I guess, of like being able to work in the built environment and around. So that whole property approach, I guess, which is what permaculture does mm. does cover. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's a lot more loopholes to get through in terms of, um, being a licensed contractor or having a builder's license. Um, so yeah, I'm a landscaper. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. Yeah. That's fantastic. When mm. did you do your, um, PDC? Uh, that was in Permaculture Sydney Institute. Uh, yeah. Penny, Penny is yeah. a teacher there and runs that place. Um, yeah, she was a great teacher and that at that time she also had a lady April teaching who's from, from down in Wollongong. Okay, yeah. And I've since then I sort of run some workshops with her and yeah, hung out at her place a bit. Mm. Uh, they both they both learnt uh, directly from Bill Mollison. Yeah. And I guess I was I don't know, I was a bit of a purist at the time and wanted to 
get that sort of direct lineage. Um, yeah, why not? But oh, I don't know. I think it's. I think there's so many good um, teachers out there. Like anywhere yeah. you go to learn is great. But um, well, actually, the other place I really wanted to go was Brett's. But living in oh, Sydney yeah. and traveling every every other week, it didn't sort of work for me. I just needed mm. that sort of two week. Uh, I was still teaching then, so it sort of fit. There was a le- one in the school holidays. I was just like, all right, let's go for it. So the course that you did, so it was a, a two-week, a whole two-week block, nose to tail? Yeah. 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 How did you find that? Um, I found it fine. Like I didn't have my own property to um, to design. Mm-hmm. So we are just designing the property there or the farm. They had a farm across the road that was sort of minimally developed. Yeah. Um, and look, I'd done a lot of reading. I'd sort of already read halfway through the designer's manual. I'd listened to a lot of like, if you, well, at the time, I'm not sure if they're still there. I think you can get them on Tagari Publishing, like old um, videos of Bill teaching permaculture yeah, still design available. courses. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'd listened through a lot of those. Yeah. So I found that fine, but I could see definitely the merits of doing it over a longer period of time. And especially if you're working on a property that you're staying at and you can sort of, yeah, observe it over time and, and mm. that sort of thing. Yeah. It's, it's so good though that there are so many different ways that people can go and learn. So whether it is in that two, um, you know, two-week block or, you know, however long block or whether it is a, a protracted course or an online course, there's, you know, for anyone listening and thinking, oh, it's, it's just too much for me to be able to do, there are so many different ways that you can um undertake your PDC and you know there's different hybrid courses out there as well so it's always worth you know having a look don't ever discount it definitely mm. yeah and I think there's a lot to be said just for the intro course for a lot of people too yeah oh for sure um that's yeah I did that with Brett at Brett's place um me and my wife did that together yeah uh, I like that you both did your PDCs with your partners but um yeah. no my wife's not She's keen, but not not that keen. So uh, right. the intro was enough for her. And I think for a lot of people designing their own places and, you know, yeah. uh, just doing a bit of stuff here and there, I think that's enough. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's also great if you want to go the full PDC for whatever reason. The intro is like a gateway drug, though. Like it just gets you in the door <laughs> and then you just keep going. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I think you're the first person we've had that's fully urban in their practices. Hey, Joe. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you are. So, yeah, so it's, yeah. really, it's really cool to hear you. Oh, I was listening to uh, episode four with the girls at Urban, is it? Urban oh, yeah, Tom Urban. Oh, Urban, Urban. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Although they're, they've got a bit of land now, but yeah. Yeah, they've got a big. It's a lot bigger than most blocks well. I'm working on, but yes. Yeah. How do you find working on um, smaller blocks, small scale in that urban setting and applying permaculture principles? Because I think a lot of people think they have to have land or property Mm. or space to do permaculture. Yeah, look, it's all I know. I don't have much to compare it to. I mean, it's it's pretty easy. There's heaps of resources around that are going to waste. So, Mm. (laughs) you know, it's just like no shortage of um, things you can get your hands on and yeah, I feel like there's probably a lot of things that are easier in that sense. You're not having to tackle a massive, like a bigger property where a lot of maintenance, I guess, just general maintenance of a property would be taking up your time. Yeah. Yeah, um, it sure does. Yeah. <laughs> From someone who's got a yeah. couple of acres, yeah, yeah, it sure does. Yeah. I want. I actually wanted to yeah. ask you about that because I was having a look um, on your website 
And on your website, it talks about um, that you do establishment and maintenance of organic fruit and um, veggies for, you know, households and for businesses and for community groups. Can you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about that? I'd love to hear about, you know, what does that mean and what does that look like? Sure. Yeah, look, it's a new business, so we're still sort of working that out as we go. Uh, Most of the maintenance I do is um, for private properties, like so private clients, Mm -hmm. and that's more uh, more often than not when I've helped set up their system and then I sort of come in from time to time. Uh, Either a more they have a more hands-off approach where I'm taking care of it or it's hands-on and we sort of work together in the garden for a few hours. Uh, they just might need a hand with more physical tasks. I think that's ideal because they're still understanding how their own system works yeah. and, and are the main drivers, like the people being there every day, but they're just getting that sort of little bit of a boost here and there. So they're um, really getting that, yeah, that, that physical help, but also that ongoing education and, and the support yeah. and that knowledge sharing that, and the connection that happens along the way as well. It's not like you've just gone... Yeah okay, yep, here we go, we've done a design or we've, we've implemented something mm. and then good luck, call me if you've got a problem. Like it's that ongoing connection that you've got. Mm. Ideally, I'm just trying to offer what each person needs, which is individual. So every approach is a tailored approach. Uh, one client recently, I did just a design. They want to self-implement and um, maintain and manage their system. Um, but there were some swales involved that he was not too sure on. So we've actually then gone to uh, organise a swale workshop with like a local um, permaculture Northern Beaches, local permaculture group. Cool. So that way he gets like instead of paying me to come and install the whole thing, he's just paying for one day of my time and we're getting a whole bunch of people involved who can also then learn um, sort of like a bit of an urban swale system, all hand dug, no machines and... um, We'll see. We might even have it all planted and everything in one day. <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> that is fantastic. That that's so exciting though to have that. Yeah, the the community connection there, which is, um, it's it, yeah, it's just so important. I love it. Yeah, it's a very niche thing, but you know, when you're in a big city, if, even if zero point one percent of the population are into it, that's still a lot of people. So yeah. 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 I was going to say, do you find being in a city that you rely on that? Um, people care and that social permaculture side of things more or you ta- can tap into that more I guess um yeah I suppose so I mean we're in the city because we're close to my wife's family so that's yeah. that's people care they um yeah we wouldn't be able to be raising a young family without their support mm. um so yeah otherwise I mean I'm not uh, it's not that I don't love the place but yeah it's probably not my first place I'd choose to live but mm. um it's where we are and it's, yeah, it's it's so important to have that help and support. So Yeah, but I guess like of, a, a perma blitz if you were in a more rural area it would be a lot harder to organise because people are coming from a lot further away or, you know, there's other barriers. We're in a, yeah, a well, bigger again, I town. I, yeah. I haven't tried so I don't know. But, yeah, there's definitely there's some great local permaculture groups around. And, yeah. yeah. But essentially what you're doing with the, the swales is like that, you know, like getting a whole bunch of people together so that they can – Yep. learn the techniques as well as help and kind of that social side of connection yep. and getting people together and working together and those things. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And I saw on your um, Instagram too that you're part of um, the Addy, is it the Addy project? Yeah, that was just a one-time job. Yeah, yeah. okay. But that was, um, 
That was great. Yeah. So there's a big Addison Road community centre. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone familiar with Sydney would probably know about it over in Marrickville. Uh, there's some great community gardens there that I used to hang out in way back. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, various things. There's like a big um, reverse garbage recycling centre. Yeah, cool there. Reverse, moved. reverse yeah, garbage. Reverse garbage. garbage. Oh, have you yeah. never been there, Joe? I it's have amazing. not. No. Mm. Oh, reverse garbage is like an institution. It's so cool. Mm. I have not been there. That needs to be on my list. Between somewhere between like an op shop and a, (laughs) I don't know, like a council reuse center. Oh my god, that sounds like heaven. Go on their socials. Yeah, they have all these weird and wonderful things that people donate, like reams of paper and fabric, and then random statues that were used in things, and Mm. like bulk waste computer parts or keyboard little letters like random random just stuff. random yeah, stuff artists really love yeah artists love it because they can just get found yes. materials and do yeah. things but also garden things that you can find and it's amazing yeah and the bow I, th- I think the bower is still there they might have just relocated on the premises i can't remember but whether mm. they're there or not they were, they're a really good place um similar sort of thing but um mm. there's a lot of like furniture and homewares and yeah, I think it's so cool, like you said, being in a city that the resources are so available to you. You know, just mm. council pickups alone. Could you imagine what you could find oh. and reuse? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've had a, we had a, <laughs> our council pickup here recently, and you know, I I am that person. It's like every pile, I'm like, slow down, slow down. There's going to be something in there that I can yeah. take home. <laughs> and there's and there's just lots of little bits and pieces that we were able to to save from landfill and you know things that were like, yes, we can use this straight away. But there's also you know we've got the luxury of room to be able to to take it and store some of that. But I do mm. it also admit there was some of the stuff that I was like, yes, I can take it and use it. And I went, can I really? Can I really take this and use this somewhere, or yeah. or can I offload this to someone else who may need it? It's like no, sometimes, sometimes you just have to let things go. But I would love to come and check that out. I'm going to put that on my list. Yeah, I do it's pretty cool. Um, have you found you've had um, any particular influences on your permaculture journey, like people that you've really connected with, or things that you've really found have kind of guided your path? Yeah, like I get, I definitely get a lot of inspiration from books. Um, so always reading books, always listening to like audio books and other podcasts um, while I'm working too. Yeah, that would be cool actually. Being, uh, being yeah, able to do I get that. through a lot. Yeah, less less now that I run my own business and I have um other people to manage. But um, <laughs> well, your podcast now. Oh, yeah, hey, go us. I don't know if I'll be able to listen to my own episode. <laughs> yeah, listen, listening to yourself back, that's, that's a whole other thing you've got to practice. <laughs> yeah. I'll try. Yeah. What, about, what about books? What are you into at the moment? Uh, look, a book, book and podcast recommendation is um, Tyson Yunker-Porter. He's an um, Indigenous Australian man. He's just written his second book called Right Story, Wrong Story. The first one was Santor. Oh, I've heard of that. very popular. Yes, yes, yes. Um, really, really opens your eyes to, I guess, like that sort of pattern understanding, mm-hmm. which I feel like is something that's a, um, a big part in permaculture but really hard to get your head around and oh. kind of misunderstood. And I've even heard Bill say, like, this is – I think it's in the start of the chapter. It says, like, this is the most important thing to understand but the most – hard to sort of um to explain to someone and um 
the one he felt like he did he gave the least ju- amount of justice to or like the be- the worst explanation out of the book. Um, I reckon that's the hardest one for me to get my head yeah, around. Yeah. Like I get the basics of, you know, dendritic patterns and those kinds of things. But then beyond that, like I think it's so much more than that. But I just mm. don't, I can't really get my head around it as well. I don't think some yeah. of the others. Yeah. So he has a great podcast called The Other Others. Uh, where he just interviews all sorts of different interesting random people. Mm. Um, and a lot of those yarns are then used for, like his book is built up of, you know, yarns and discussions with other people. Yeah. So it's interesting after hearing his, listening to his first book, an audio book, not read. <laughs> but, um, yeah, then listening to his podcast and then checking out his new book. And a lot of those are like sort of referencing back to podcast episodes and whatnot. But, yeah, um cool. Yeah, it's just this sort of whole, I guess, Indigenous worldview, systems thinking type stuff that really, um, yeah, just really gets you thinking differently. Mm, very uh, it can cool. be quite confronting because it's, you know, a lot of it is looking at sort of our broken systems in the world and our sort of fleeting civilization that's, um, yeah, it's sort of teetering on the edge of collapse, it seems. But, uh, yeah, I think it's good. Humbling. I think it's good though that it <laughs> that it challenges us and it, it is confronting because if we're not confronted, then there is no catalyst for change. If we're comfortable and if things just cruise along and we go, we read something and it doesn't have that emotional turmoil in us as we as we're reading it or we're listening to it or digesting it, then we're not going to change our patterns of behaviour. We're not going to change anything. We'll just go along our merrily way and go. Well, it's not my problem. So, yeah, I think it's really important that, yeah, we are confronted with that. And I always find it interesting, you know, for myself if I read something that does challenge me because I tend to go, oh, I don't want to listen to that anymore and oh, I can't come back to that. Mm. And I find myself then going, oh, no, I have to because this is where it pushes me to be better and to do better and think differently about things. Um, so, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm a big advocate for, yeah, Get in there. Get to the get to the chunky bits. The sooner more of us can be confronted, yeah, about our current situation, the better. Yeah. <laughs> and what are your future plans? You kind of touched on that a little bit um, with Tierra projects. Doing yeah, look, just building things up slowly, bit by bit, uh, as I sort of go and learn how to manage a business. But um, very keen to get more in that sort of whole systems whole of how approach so um looking at teaming up this year with a a, a a builder that has a lot more experience in the natural building sphere and earth building type stuff and mm-hmm. seeing how we can collaborate together mm-hmm. um yeah, so absolutely. initially just sort of working on jobs together but um you know i would love to be involved in consulting or building of houses that are just more integrated i guess like that a bit like that earthship approach where mm. you know there's all the wastewater is being treated on site and, um yeah look i think there's a lot of scope for all of that to fit in in at least larger um suburban blocks you know like a thousand square meter block you could be doing at least some of that mm. um i saw um rammed earth photos on your instagram yeah, they're yeah. just so beautiful and tactile and gorgeous yeah, like yeah. they're just so good looking but also all the other properties that come with them yeah definitely so for anyone yeah. who who may not understand i suppose what earth building is or, or rammed earth could you sort of give the you know in a in a nutshell explanation of what earth building is 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so many different types, but essentially you're using generally local materials of um, things that come from the earth, so soils or mostly subsoils. Um, so most of that and most of the techniques I'm talking about would revolve around using clay as your main binder, then mixed with different combinations of um, sand or local aggregates, straw, um, water to make it sort of um, tactile. Um, and then that's set, whether that's set into a mold to make a mud brick uh, or rammed earth is just sort of compacted earth in a, in a formwork, compacted into a formwork. Um, there's various other techniques like wattle and daub, uh, where like a timber frame was erected in like a lattice structure and then sort of a clay straw mix was plastered on. Mm -hmm. So things like, like Adobe bags as well? Yeah, like the, um, what's that, Cal Earth Institute. I haven't worked with that so much, but yeah, that's, that's something that would come under earth building, even straw bale building. Mm -hmm. um, There's so many. There's so yeah, many out there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're more or less using different variations of those same sort of basic yeah. um, materials. Do you find they're expensive or cheaper than a typical build to do like well, that? Well, I mean, the materials are dirt cheap, literally, yeah. but um, boom, boom. it's more, yeah, it's more labor intensive. And yeah. uh, because they've been like pushed aside, I mean, it's, it's the way we've built houses since we've started building houses. But um, it, since it has been pushed aside in the industrial era with, you know, newer building products coming along, Mm. Um, and there aren't sort of, at least in, in Australia, there's not as many regulations and standards for building this way. Like there are more loopholes to get through the, you know, there's no project homes that are being built this way. That's for sure. <laughs> I um, <laughs> but they, I mean, it could be, there certainly yeah. could be. Yeah. It'd be cool. You know, yeah. get rid of mud brick land. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, look, there's various reasons why it does cost more, but then that's where it does come back to that community. And a lot of mm. people do build, choose to build that way where they're self-building or at least doing some of the things involved somewhat themselves, maybe running workshops to get some community involvement. Mm. And, um, yeah, work together and build nice, beautiful things. You mentioned before about earthships and needing a certain square meterage, ideally to do something like that. Mm. Do you find that there are certain constraints like that um, in an urban setting and how do you kind of overcome them? I think the main constraints at the moment are just uh, councils and regulations not being sort of on board with yeah. this sort of stuff. Um, and this sort of, I guess, this propped up property market, conventional property market that we have where people, I guess, feel like if they started doing these things, they'd probably be detracting from the value of their property um but yeah look when that bubble pops and resources get less and less available like i think we can move pretty quickly to these sorts of things and yeah mm. composting toilets might be more attractive <laughs> mm. well we're starting to do research now about composting toilets for yeah. our block but yeah. um it's even hard to just find people to give you um, real life experience like there's lots of companies out there but then mm. to actually try and find someone to be like oh yeah this product was really good I didn't like this about our you know the way our system works that's what I'm finding challenging at the yeah, moment right. um just trying to actually get real world examples yeah. of how it works and what's and I, better and locally I suppose because I'm sure the companies yeah. would re 
um, refer you to people that have installed their products. But. Yeah. And then also that aspect of going through council, it's like, well, do we just go with septic because I know that council will just tick a box yeah. and let me have it? Or is it something that I'm willing to kind of push for and potentially hold our build up for a little while to mm. kind of tick those boxes or, you know, or even if we can do a complying development, if we tick all these boxes, but if we don't then have to go through a full DA and have DA, to hassle yeah. Yeah. with that process so I think it's always that compromise too and figuring out what's Absolutely. worth doing and I mean retro suburbia really opened my eyes to that and you know mm. how maybe just to do things even though they're not council approved yeah. and Absolutely. just you know ask for forgiveness rather than consent Seek permission yeah I love that yeah <laughs> for sure. yeah yeah look I've I've kept things pretty low-key like most of the projects I'm working on don't even have DAs or CDCs. It's all just sort of, um, what do you call that? Exempt development. Mm-hmm. Um, so it keeps things a lot easier. We don't have to seek council approval to do what mm-hmm. we're doing, but you know, most of that's just simple, you know, structures, retaining walls, yeah. food forest systems, raised garden beds. Um, so yeah, that's the sort of work I'm currently doing, but definitely keen to see how we can integrate more, like whole house approaches and yeah yeah look i have a lot to learn about it still i guess <laughs> well even like gray water systems technically yeah. you're meant to have it all go through council like you're not yeah. really meant to retrofit those without yeah. getting them ticked off so it's just so crazy that something as simple as yeah, reusing totally. your own water from your house has to be approved Should by be, council yeah yeah, yeah. so but yeah. also so many councils are at capacity now and they're not going to really, mm. if you go and change, if you change a bit of your plumbing in your own backyard, I don't think anyone's going to notice. Mm. <laughs> well, it was like that when I bought it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you Just mean it's changed? Plead, plead no, no. I haven't dug those <laughs> holes. No, no, that wasn't me. <laughs> I think it's about being yeah, being being smart and being sensible and, and knowing yeah how far you can push the envelope, so to speak, without going over mm. that tipping point. Yeah. Mm. Well, I remember Penny, my my um teacher, permaculture teacher that ran the PDC. I was saying at Permaculture Sydney Institute. Um, she was saying because they lived in Ride for a long time. She actually used to teach uh, um at the TAFE there, teach permaculture at TAFE in Ride for a long time. Um, she was saying they when they were renovating or something at their place in Ride, they wanted to put in a grey water system. And they went to council, like, what's your protocol for grey water? Oh, well, we don't have one. No one's ever asked before. Wow. And this is maybe the 90s or something. Early, I'm not sure, 90s or 2000s. Um, yeah. So, yeah, since then, they've now got a, got something in place because they've done at least one grey water system in ride. But um, mm. at that time, the council took so long. By the time they approved it, they'd already put it in. Like, um, Wow. But, yeah, it, it can be done. Yeah. And, yeah. I'd love to see more of that happening. So what have you got going on at the moment? What what current projects are you working on? Um, well, mid, midway through a job where um, there's a really, a really nice property in the uh, northern beaches um, where the owner had, uh, owner built the house, uh, mainly just getting contractors and whatnot. Um, and sort of had gotten most of the way through the backyard, but I think they'd just run out, of, whether they'd run out of steam or whatever, 
Um, so we've sort of come to finish up following a lot of, uh, they did have a landscape architect design the place. So there's a lot of native gardens and then, um, yeah, really, really nice aesthetics that I like working with. So local sandstone, like big sandstone steps, um, deco granite pathways, which is like a crushed gravel that you um, compact to create like a, a flat hard wearing surface. Uh, a lot of that cotton steel, rusted steel for the garden oh, I beds. I love that. Yeah. That's nice. And some hardwood steps as well. Uh, so we're finishing up there. We've installed like some swale systems. Uh, there's The bottom part of the property is quite steep. So there are some parts we've sort of had to help sort of finish terracing. Mm-hmm. Um, so a bit of combination of like some terracing and swaling, which will then be putting uh, all big food forests in. So I need to run a bit of irrigation there just as like a fail safe, uh, mainly for establishment and a fail safe, some drip yeah. irrigation. Um and then there may be a discussion, there's some discussion there of doing like a custom greenhouse. So with like some Ooh, nice big cool. hardwood, like post and beam, oh, and then whether gosh. we go glass or polycarbonate. Um, and that's where I'll be getting this builder friend involved because that's a bit beyond my scope. Um, and then probably some, ra- hopefully raised garden beds either inside and outside of that. So I'm really um, condensing her intensive growing, like raised garden beds, to probably to a smaller area, probably twenty or thirty square meters, and then mm-hmm. having the rest in more perennial food forest systems, and that's mm-hmm. like the general I- approach I go for for a lot of properties. Like I think yeah. if you've got about ten square meters of garden bed, that's enough for like a I family, know, maybe two or a small family. Yeah, yeah, you might want a little bit more. Um, it's, and then if you've got a lot more uh, perennial, like food forest sort of agroforestry type systems, um with you know maybe your citrus trees and whatnot as your climax species not like big eucalypts or something (laughs) um yeah i think you can grow grow a lot of food in a small space that way Mm. really efficient systems but also quite um easy to manage systems yeah Mm. and a lot of that is changing people's um changing people's mind on or like changing their aesthetic as to what a nice garden looks like so you know, That's allowing chop and drop and things to happen. Yeah, yeah. So instead of having this idea of a neat garden that's, you know, all the leaves are constantly blown away and you just have this sort of like moonscape of a soil surface where there's mm. nothing living, um, yeah, just letting things fall. And I that way I will I will intentionally use um, like arborist mulch or leaf mulch yep. on most jobs. So that's just stuff that arborists have put through their tree mulcher. It's a combination of like, barky and wood chip but also then all the leafy stuff because that way as leaves and other things fall onto it it doesn't look messy you know if you've got just like one uniform mulch yeah uh, one i find it compacts easily um but then as soon as leaves and things inevitably start dropping it just starts to look messy so if you start with something that looks messy (laughs) um it can't get any messier i guess it sets you up oh look i (laughs) i was thinking back to well before our permaculture days where we thought it would be a great idea to put white pebble all throughout um our native gardens so we Mm. spent a bomb on this pebble and we spent days moving the pebble because it had to be moved by hand and after the first week it looked fantastic until the wind hit and everything went on top of it and then it looked messy and then it was a constant battle 
to constantly the try weeds. and you know the weeds that came yeah. up and the bark and the leaves because everything just made it look messy yeah. and that was a yeah. huge lesson for us it was like ah oh, yeah okay you know what work with nature don't work against it like look at yeah, what nature is doing yeah yes they have a ha- they have a time and a place but it's not as um often as people would think <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, not in That's not funny. in your your front garden under two big gum trees that uh just drop leaves and bark yeah, and everything yeah. everywhere yes to um finish up what would be one piece of permaculture advice you'd give people who are starting out i think like localize and understanding your place because everything mm. like every place has a different context and yeah so many things can't be generalized like so many yeah. things do just work for a place so yeah. understanding that place that you're in um yeah and, and definitely a great way to do that is like linking in with like first nations knowledge mm. um whether there's sort of traditional calendar systems or mm. whatever you can find like um it's a really great way to understand the the context you're in um the way the seasons work the way um yeah just the way your place that. works and um try to work with that again yeah, work with nature that. not against it yeah, and I'm sure in your field you get people bringing you Pinterest images and you're like, yeah, that's not going to work where you are. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, everything, everything can work at a certain price. but um, yeah. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> oh. uh, I'm definitely all for, yeah, trying to use what's around locally. So, yeah, we do use a lot of sandstone because that's what we're in, sandstone country here. And, mm. um, yeah, Beautiful. Like a lot of fairly local timbers and local species. Yeah 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 cool thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today kyle no worries thank you for having me my pleasure it's been fantastic all right so that's the end of our chat with kyle don't forget to jump on our facebook group the practical permaculture podcast hangout join us there so that we can continue the conversation i'll wrangle kyle in there maybe you can ask him some questions especially if you're in sydney you might like to connect with him um yeah and have a chat about what he's doing also head to the show notes uh, for any of the resources mentioned i know that we've talked about a few books and a few podcasts today um so if you want the link to those check out the show notes um and of course if you liked the episode and the podcast then please remember to subscribe rate share and give us a review we really appreciate uh what you say and we do read all of them um and if this is not your gem then that's cool as well we hope you find something that is thanks for listening guys bye see you next week Bye-bye.